0: The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning. I'm Pastor Chris. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. Uh, we're so glad to have you with us today. We had, a, we had so much fun last week, didn't we? It was our tailgating party if you were here. Uh, if you're new, don't worry, we'll do it again eventually. But um, last Sunday, uh, we had a, uh, just a lot of fun together. And I do want to thank Sheely and Ricky uh, for all the food, for all the barbecue last week. That was awesome. And uh, yeah, we can clap for that. We can clap for barbecue. Um, But we had just a lot of people. We had almost 700 people here last Sunday, and uh, so it was awesome, a lot lot of good stuff. Hey, a couple of things I do want to highlight uh, this morning that are on your announcement sheet and on your Connect card. So as Ryan said, if you don't mind, go ahead and fill this out. But on the back of your Connect card, uh, two things I want you to RSVP for if you're interested in. Uh, The first one is our newcomer's uh, reception. It's next Sunday, immediately after the second service. And uh, so you just basically come to the second service, stick around, and then our, our newcomer's Summer's reception is a great next step for those of you who are new to Coastal. And you've maybe been coming just for a little bit. You're kinda of wondering, you know, how do I, you know, learn more about the church? How do I kind of plug in? You know, how do I just to kind of you know get going here at Coastal? Well, It's an easy next step. That's our newcomer's reception to do that. And uh, so you can stick around. We'll feed you. Uh, It's a short meeting. It really is. Um, I'm going to introduce our staff, introduce some of our ministry leaders. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story and the story of our church. And uh, it's just a great next step. So that's next Sunday after the 1115 service. And then right underneath that uh, is really a next step for those of you who've been coming maybe a little bit longer. And uh, Coastal is already, you know, you've moved from saying, well, that's uh, you know your church or their to hey this is my church and so if you want to formalize your commitment here at coastal and kind of learn you know what we believe about certain things and get our vision our membership classes for you and that's on Monday night um, that, that next Monday night six to nine we provide childcare, uh, all that kind of stuff so you can sign up for both of those things on your Connect card. Hey, also, thank you guys for um, bringing candy. Um, I'm participating on Thursday, this Thursday, at Oakland Elementary School for their Trunk or Treat. And uh, so if you have candy and you forgot it, you can drop it off the church between now and Thursday. And uh, hey, if you want to come over and uh, bring your kids and get some candy and enjoy some fun, uh, we're also cooking hot dogs. So we're going to have a great time Um, on Thursday. And um, I'm I'm thinking about going with a Clemson motif with my truck. So, you know, go Tigers. And uh, hey, let's pray for our Ohio State fans today. I just really believe. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, Patty. Uh, (laughs) A bunch of you. Uh, Hey, Speaking of sports, if you call this a sport, I don't know. Anybody remember uh, the pairs figure skating controversy at the 2002 Winter Olympics in Salt Lake City? Uh, It had something to do with prejudice. Um, After a flawless performance by the Canadian team, uh, the skaters, there was a score that was given to them by a particular judge that was obviously you know, a good bit less than what everybody thought they should have received, a good bit less than all the other judges, especially when compared to uh, the Russian skaters and what they received. Anybody remember which judge that was who judged them so low? The, the French judge. That's right, from France. Um, so the Russian skaters end up receiving the gold medal, but the French judge admitted, admitted that prior to the event, she had actually been pressured to vote for the, for the Russians above the Canadians. And so it really set into motion this you know, international outcry and a real strange twist of events, which actually is the first time this has ever happened. It resulted in the awarding of an extra set of gold medals. It was crazy if you remember that. Now, what was the problem? The problem was that they had prejudged. Okay. They, they had determined the outcome before the event had ever taken place. Now, there are times when we make judgments and we don't, you know, we don't knock judges for putting people in order from best to worst, so long as it's based on the person and their performance. After they've had their performance, right? Okay, but pre-judging is not limited to cheating in sports, is it? It really has a way of raising its ugly head in so many areas of our lives today. Uh, Nobody is immune to that. And nobody is above dealing with this issue. Some of you here this morning, either in the room or are watching us online, um, you have dealt with the pain of prejudice all your life. Of people sizing you up and judging you before they get to know you. And the wounds from that are deep and fresh, and the thought of, you know, even talking about it today just, uh, you know, scares you to death. Here's the ugly truth. All of us deal with prejudice. All of us. We're either the recipient of it, or we're also the ones who dish it out. And all of us, to one level or another, need heart surgery on this issue, and luckily, fortunately for us, Jesus is the only one who can perform that heart surgery. Now, here's what I want to happen, what I want to see happen today. Here's the goal for today to begin to see people not as the world sees them, but as God sees them, to look at people's hearts. You know, I used to say that one of the goals for this church is that we would, as, as we continue to grow, as we continue you know, to reach out to people, that we would become a beautiful reflection of our community here in Charleston. And right here, you know, West Lashley, right, right here where we're at, a beautiful reflection of our community. You know, it was Martin Luther King Jr. who once said that the most sed- segregated hour of the week is the worship hour on Sunday mornings in churches all across our country. I'd like for us to be a church that changes that. You know, I want to be a church where white people and black people and Hispanic and Asian people are all welcome. I want to be a church where rich and poor, educated, uneducated, old and young, Carolina and Clemson. You knew that was coming, didn't you? You knew that that one was coming. but where all types of people from all you know, walks of life all come and hear and experience the life and the love of Jesus. Where they hear truth and grace. and you know, The Bible says that Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And we believe that that life is for all people. Now here's what I've discovered though. Being a beautiful reflection of our community is not a high enough goal. It's not. You know, that's not good enough. It's, you know, that that we've set our sights too low. You see, I want Coastal to be a beautiful reflection of heaven. Of heaven. And in heaven, listen to this, not one single exterior will ever matter. Now, you know that, right? You know that. You should know that, at least mentally. The only thing that will ever matter in heaven is your heart. You know, the only color that will matter is red. Has your heart been covered with the blood of Jesus? You know, the only judgment that is ever that is going to be made will be made by God based on one set of facts, do you believe, do you believe that Jesus is God's son? Do you believe that God sent him to die for your sins, that, that he lived a perfect life, that he was crucified on a cross for you and for me, and that three days later he came back from the dead to prove his power over sin and death? Have you accepted that? Have you accepted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? That is the only judgment that will be made. And all the other exteriors are all going to be stripped away. And that's the only thing that matters. But, guys, here's the deal. This isn't heaven. We still live on this side of eternity. You know, we're still down here. And quite honestly, down here, we still screw things up. And we screw this one up. You know, down here, we still have a hard time looking past the exterior, looking past outward appearances and seeing people's hearts. And evidently, you ready for this? So did the early church. They struggled with prejudice. Prejudice. In fact, we're in the series called Losing My Religion. And if we're going to truly lose the religion and have a personal relationship with Jesus and put our faith into action, then this is a subject. This is a, a, an idea that we've got to start putting into practice. The early church struggled with this. And in James chapter 2, that's where we are in the series through the book of James, he begins talking about a prejudice that was taking place between rich people and poor people. Now the principle goes much deeper than that. Listen to what he says, James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Now that's the real issue, isn't it? Okay? How can you claim that you are a follower of Jesus, that you are a believer, and then you value people differently. You judge people differently based on outward appearances. How can you claim to be a Christian and then size people up and make judgments about them on the way they look on the outside? And then he goes on and he gives us an example. Listen to this. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and then a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes, and you say, hey, here, here's a great sit, you know, seat for you, you know, come sit over here, and then you say to the poor man, you stand there, you sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts now the reality is there's a lot of different prejudices i mean there are there are many there's as many different types of prejudice as there are different types of people and different types of circumstances but i want us to talk about a few of them today an obvious one especially here in the deep south is racial prejudice Racial prejudice. You know, this is one of those areas where oftentimes those who are older can learn something from those who are younger. Now, hopefully, this is improving in our culture. You know, if we had a chance this morning maybe to interview those of you who are a little bit older and you could talk to us about, you know, days gone by, but then the reality of what you're still, you know, dealing with today. Now, if you are white and you grew up in the South... You may have been in a culture that showed animosity, disrespect, or even hatred toward people of color. If you are black, you may have been taught, depending on where you grew up and the circumstances of your family, not to trust anyone who is white. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about the culture that I grew up in personally, Um. I believe that I was pretty fortunate that in my own immediate family, okay, and I'm referring to you know my parents, my, my my immediate family, my mom and dad. It didn't feel to me that there was a lot of racial prejudice. Now I'm not ignorant, you know. I do realize, you know, that's probably from my perspective and my viewpoint. But at least in my culture, I felt like there wasn't. And You know, we, our neighbors were black and they weren't our black neighbors. They were just our neighbors, okay? Uh, My mom, uh, there was a woman that my mom referred to as her black mama. Uh, It was an older black woman that she worked with who became very dear to our family. In fact, the reality is in some ways she was closer to her uh, than she was to her own mom. And then because of where we happened to live, I grew up in an elementary school that was pretty racially diverse. And so growing up you know, playing sports in my neighborhood or playing sports at school. I didn't have black friends or white friends. We just had friends, and we played sports together. But, you know, step just outside of my home, and the rest of my family, and definitely the rest of the world that I grew up in, used all the words and all the jokes of hatred as easy and as frequently as breathing. And... Um, It was deeply, deeply ingrained into the the thinking, the language, and their actions. And I'd be lying to you, you know, if I stood up here and didn't say that it took a toll. And, you know, as a child in the 70s, I actually remember the controversy in a large Southern Baptist church that we went to on James Island when a black family came forward to join the church. And on Sunday nights, the congregation would come back together and vote on people who came forward for membership. And that black family was not allowed to join. And everybody knew why. You know, when asked about the possibility of dating a black boy, Janet was, my wife Janet was once told by her family that after they shot the boy, they would take care of her. Uh, one of my grandparents was a tour guide here in Charleston. She actually owned a, a tour company and did a lot of uh, tours. And um, She was to do a, a bus tour for a group of Japanese businessmen. She, she, she told me that she would do the tour, but she couldn't forget Pearl Harbor. I was like, Grandma, pretty sure these guys weren't around then. But uh, anyway, um, we have another older family member. Are uh, you ready for this? who refused to eat salsa in protest against Hispanic people. That was She was uh, putting her flag in the ground on, on salsa. Like, okay. Um, now, like I said, um, hopefully, race relations are improving. And I do believe this is definitely an area where the younger generation can lead the way. But let me be crystal clear as the pastor of this church. We will not stand for racial prejudice here at Coastal. I don't want our church to be known as a white church or a black church. This is a Jesus church. This is a Jesus church. Ultimately, church diversity is not about the color of our skin anyway, it's about the wages of our sin. And we are all sinners in need of God's grace. The ground is level at the foot of the cross, and the last time I looked, we have all all been called to make disciples of all nations, of all people. Either we believe that or we don't. Now, to keep making progress in this area, we, we need to be prayerful, we need to be intentional, and every once in a while, when it raises its ugly head, we got to be confrontational. Now, again, there are a lot of different forms of prejudice. Because if prejudice is simply, you know, sizing people up, making judgments based on outward appearances, then again, there is as many different kinds of prejudice as there are people and circumstances. Let's talk about some more. Uh, There are socioeconomic prejudices. You know, some people who grew up without money were raised to think that everybody who is wealthy is uh, selfish or arrogant or, you know, grew up with a silver spoon in their mouth. And others with money can begin to measure the worth of a person based on their bank account rather than the fact that they were created in the image of God. There are gender prejudices. You know, a woman rises to the top of a company instead of receiving praise. She's got to put up with crude comments and jokes about how she really got the promotion. In some settings, we can be prejudiced because of a person's age, whether they're young or old. And and the reality is you see that in a lot of churches today. There are political prejudices. You know, anybody who doesn't wear the same label that you wear, vote the same way that you vote, is wrong, narrow-minded, and stupid. And you could just fill in the blank, whether it's Democrat or Republican. There are cultural prejudices. You know, if you grew up in the South, it's possible, possible that you have certain prejudices about people from the North. You know, those damn Yankees. If you grew up in the North, it's possible that you have certain prejudices about people from the South, those ignorant hillbilly rednecks who can't drive. (laughs) Um, Some prejudice is due to the way an individual looks. You ever look at a person, you know, at a person's body type, whether they're tall or short, large or small, and then you draw some preconceived conclusions about who they are, about their value, about their worth, subtle as it may be. You know, when you make a decision, a prejudgment about the value or significance of another human being that you don't know, for whatever the external reason, the Bible says that that is prejudice, that is favoritism, and it's sin, and it's a big deal to God. You know, most of you are probably familiar with the story of Jonah and the big fish, you know, Jonah and the whale. Um, God commands Jonah, the prophet, to go and warn the people of Nineveh that their city is going to be destroyed unless they repent. But there's one problem. Jonah can't stand the people of Nineveh. In fact, Jonah grew up in an environment where he hated these people. So you might know the story. He actually tries to run away from God rather than overcome his prejudice, but Jonah changes his mind after he's had some time to think about it, three days to be exact, in the belly of a fish. And uh, Jonah goes on and he preaches to the Ninevites. And then, much to his surprise, you ready for this? They actually repent. The whole nation is, is spared and God forgives them. And it's a revival. But the story doesn't end there. Jonah actually gets angry with God for forgiving the Ninevites. He just assumed you know, they would reject God and, and they'd get zapped. And he was excited about that. So God's got to teach Jonah a lesson. It's a hot, blistering day and Jonah's off you know, pouting and he finds some shade underneath a, a, a tree. And God sends a worm to destroy the tree immediately. And all of a sudden, the tree withers and Jonah gets sunburned. And Jonah gets ticked off again at God and says, God, why would you do this? Don't you care about me? And then God makes his point. He says, you know what? You care more about that tree than you do the 120,000 real people with real souls who live in Nineveh. Do You know why? Because you care more about yourself than people who are far from me. Over and over again, the children of Israel had a problem with this. They had a problem thinking they were better than other people. In fact, Deuteronomy 10.19 says this, And you are to love those who are aliens, for you yourself were aliens in Egypt. Did you know that the Bible says that as believers, you and I are aliens in this world? In other words, don't forget who you are. Don't forget where you came from. You know, sometimes I'm asked the question on what I think about interracial marriage. What's the Bible have to say about that? Well, when I get that question, I like to point people uh, to the story in Numbers chapter 12. There's actually a story dealing with this where uh, Miriam and Aaron are grumbling against Moses because of his Cushite wife. Um, Do you know why? You know why they were upset? Again, she was a Cushite woman, and that meant that she was an Ethiopian. You ready for this? She wasn't Jewish, and she was black. And so they were giving Moses a hard time about that. But you know what? God intervenes, and you ready, you ready for this? Listen to this. He gives Miriam leprosy. Leprosy. It's almost as though God was saying, okay, Miriam, you think the color of your skin is so important? I'll give yours leprosy. When our daughter uh, Lydia was in kindergarten, there's a little boy in her class, and she had a little, you know, a little crush on, a little schoolgirl school crush. Um, and uh, his name was Christopher, which I thought that was kind of funny, you know, because I'm Christopher, brother's Christopher. But anyway, she had a little crush on this little boy, Christopher. And uh, she used to say, uh, we, we'd ask her about him, and she'd just say, he makes me laugh. He makes me laugh. Well, another parent in the class, came up to me and Janet, and this is a woman who claimed to be, you know, she was active in her church, she was uh, claimed to be a believer, but she came up to us to make sure that we knew that Christopher was black. Um, our children have always known from a very young age that there are only two requirements in the Rollins family for dating and for marriage. Two requirements. They love Jesus, and they love you. Now, Although that's true, if you ask Lydia that question when she was in elementary school, do you know what she would say? How she would respond about who she's supposed to marry, who she's supposed to date? She'd say, They love Jesus, they love me, and they don't smoke. Now, <laughs> I don't know if that was the anti smoking campaign at school or something. I'm not sure where that came from, but uh, that was her response. So I was like, Okay, that's cool. You know, it's fine. You know, they don't have to smoke. Um, anyway, eight years ago, okay, eight years ago, just eight years ago, 2010, our church did a series on sex uh, called That's What He Said. That's What He Said. I liked those. kind of like that. kind of a play off of the uh, That's What She Said jokes. And the idea was, uh, this is what he says. This is what God says. So here's a picture, actually, of the, uh, uh, the graphic that we used. It was the mailing uh, that we sent out, the large mailing that we sent out, just like we do, you know, today. Uh, honestly, it was a great series. I mean, it really was. Uh, a lot of response, a lot of good stuff. And, uh, well, one Sunday before church, an elderly, elderly uh, white gentleman, uh, who at that point had been at our church for about a year, uh, him and his wife, um, he came up to me before the service uh, demanding that he speak with me. And it was obvious this guy was upset. I mean, his face was already kind of flushed, and he was, he, was, he was obvious he was angry, but he wanted to talk to me. So we went into my office, and he gets right up in my face. I mean, like, in my face, and I, I wish I had the, uh, the mailer with me today, but let's pretend this is the mailer. He gets up in my face, and I mean, like, he's, like, close to me, and he is shaking that, uh, that mailer Uh, that graphic, uh, In My Face, and this is what he says. He says, you talk about us inviting our friends to this church. Well, how in the the hell, this is what he says, how in the hell am I supposed to invite my friends when you throw this S-H-I-T in my face? And he didn't spell it out, okay? Now, honestly, at the time, I, I really thought that he was talking about... You know, sex. That you know. Again, this guy was a little bit older, and maybe he was upset that we were talking about all kinds of things. I mean, everything. Very, you know, very blunt. Just like we always do. We bring up stuff. We talk about it. And um, and so I said something about that to address that issue. But then very quickly he corrected me. Do you know what he was upset about? He was upset that the mailer had a black man and a white woman on the cover but he didn't say black man. So I told him to back up, and I said, listen, if you and your friends have a problem with this mailer, then you and your friends are going to have a problem with this church and with this pastor. And he turned around, and he walked out of my office, and he never came back to our church. That was eight years ago. I realize, you know, he's a little bit older. He grew up in a different time, in a different place. But things have got to change. So what's, what's the cure? I mean, how, how can we combat this? How can we make a difference? Um, I don't think it's easy. And like I said, I think we need to be prayerful and intentional But I think there's probably a few things that do need to change. And I want to talk about just a few of them as we close. The first way um, may be that you need to change your parenting. You need to change your parenting. You know, I really believe that it's parents who play the greatest role in either creating prejudice attitudes in the lives of their kids or in stemming the flow of racism in our culture. Parents, to a large extent, determine whether their kids are going to be bigots or bridge builders. Mom and dad, you can start by just treating people equally and fairly. Mom and dad, you've got to model Jesus. You've got to model Christ-like acceptance. This is important. You've got to monitor the words that you speak you got to monitor the jokes that you tell. Those words and those jokes about people who are different than you. You know, maybe you make it normal to have people that have different backgrounds, you know, whether that's racial or socioeconomic or educational, whatever, different backgrounds, you know, into your home. Make that normal. So change your parenting. Number two, change your attitude. We just got to recognize the reality of some of the biases that we all have. The world in which we grew up, the, uh, you know, our, our environment, all that, just recognize it. You, know, you, you don't have to burn crosses or wear a swastika to be prejudiced. It's just a matter of thinking that you're better than other people. And so we got to pray you know, and ask God just to do heart surgery. You know, to help us see people from, you know, his perspective, from God's perspective and God's eyes and God's heart. You know, how does God see people, by the way? One of my favorite passages of Scripture is 1 Samuel sixteen seven, and it's the story of when um, Samuel is going to uh, anoint the new king of Israel. And it says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at, the, at his appearance or his physical stature, because I have refused him. In other words, don't look at, don't look at the outside. You know, don't look at the exteriors. And then, it, and then it says this, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, obviously, we're not God. Okay, we can't see people's hearts. And as long as we're on this side of eternity, we're, we're gonna struggle with this, we are. You know, we're gonna struggle with sizing people up and making judgments based on outward outward appearances. So what I'm saying is, confess that. Confess your shortcomings and pray. You know, ask God to give you his eyes. Ask God to give you a little bit more of of his ability to see people and to see circumstances from his perspective. Now, the truth is, as believers, we're supposed to have a leg up on this on everybody else. Do you know why? Galatians 3 tells us, You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ Jesus, you have clothed yourself with Christ. In other words, now, that's the outward appearance that you now bear. You put on Jesus. And then he goes on to say, there is now in Christ neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In other words, as believers, this is supposed to be a little bit easier for us because we're all one in Christ. We're family. So change your parenting, change your attitude, and finally change your actions. You know, maybe you go out on a limb and stretch yourself a little bit on this one. Maybe you get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Maybe you're intentional about building bridges with people that are different than you. Maybe they're poorer or wealthier than you. Maybe they're a different race, a different culture. But reach out to them. You know, back in 1953, three years actually before Martin Luther King Jr. hit the national scene and more than a decade before the 1964 Civil Rights Act, um, Billy Billy Graham stunned the sponsoring committee of his Chattanooga, Tennessee crusade. Um, at the committee meeting prior to the crusade, he talked about how he was against, the, at that time, the normal practice of segregating, segregated seating at crusades, at crusades. So one night before the crusade began, Billy Graham walked down the aisle he personally took down all the ropes that separated blacks from whites. And in the 1950s, that was a very bold statement. And he went on to say that, you know, Christians should be the most active in reaching out to all people. So what I'm saying today is, reach out. You know, speak to those who may be left out. Embrace those that you might have kept at an arm's length. 1 John 4.20 says this, If anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, He is a liar. He's a liar. You see, unity in the body of Christ, man, that is a great, great witness to the watching and lost world. Sure, as a community, I think, you know, Charleston should be a people that that crosses racial and socioeconomic barriers. But as a church, as coastal community church, that bond should go much deeper than just a community bond. Because we truly are in Christ. We are brothers and sisters. We are family. You know, God can break down any walls. For within the body of Christ, we are are brothers and sisters. We are kin. And the world should be able to see that. They should be able to look at us and see that there is a difference. You know, I dream of a church that is far more interested in how a person lives than rather than where they live. You know, how a person shares rather than what they wear. I dream of a church that looks as multiracial in its auditorium as it does in its community and as it does in heaven. Because when the church is truly unified, that's when God is glorified. Yeah, we can clap for that. So so how do we overcome prejudice? The reality is, it it begins the same way every other sin is overcome. Every sin. When we deny ourselves, and we lift up Jesus, and we honor all people above ourselves. It begins by saying, Jesus, I put you on the throne of my life, and I honor all people above myself. Listen, you never look into the eyes of another human being who doesn't matter to God just as much as you do. You know, we either believe that or we don't. You never stare into the face of another human being who was not also created in the image of God and therefore has has value. You never shake the hands of, of somebody else for whom Jesus didn't die. Listen, if you want to be a part of the family of God and make a commitment to him and place him on the throne of your life and put others above yourself, you can do that today. You can do that here, you can do that now. Man, let's be the church that God has called us to be. My brothers and sisters, Don't show favoritism. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, God, there is no doubt that um, we are living in a world where this is at the forefront and we still struggle, God, with judging people, making prejudgments based on the way people look, on their outward appearances. And there is as many prejudices in our world today as there are people and circumstances. God, I pray that we would recognize our sin. And that as as an individual and as churches and as believers, that we would humbly repent. God, this should not be in the church. We should be leading the way. We should be setting the example. Father, I pray for the parents and families here at this church that are uh, here today, that are watching this. May we change our parenting. May we watch our words, watch our jokes. And God, I pray that um, we change our attitude and change our actions. And that we would be bridge builders into our community. And may we truly be a reflection, not just of the community in which we live, but the heaven in which we are headed. And listen today, if you're ready to put your faith and your trust in a God who loves all people, in the God who forgives all sin, because it's the sin in your life today that is separating you from God. And you can't earn your way into his favor, you can't do enough good things, you can't be religious enough. No, you gotta set all that aside And just humbly admit the truth. God, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. The good news is one has been provided. So if you will just pray something like this this morning, you can come into his family forever. Be adopted as his child. We can be related together as brothers and sisters. Just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I want to come home. God, I do believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he was sent to this earth to die for all people. I believe that he went to the cross for me and for my sin. My sin put him on that cross. And today I admit it. Today I repent from it. And I turn my back on my sin. I turn toward Jesus. And I put all my faith and my trust in him and him alone. I believe that he rose from the dead and he is alive. And now, God, for the rest of my days, I just want to thank you. I just want to live for Jesus and follow him and become more and more like you see me today, your adopted son, your adopted daughter. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.